I'm Kristen Pleasanton, Deputy Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. With me in the studio is Alan Jordan, Executive Director of the Delaware Symphony Orchestra. Alan, welcome to Delaware State of the Arts. Thank you so much, Kristen. Uh, I know you're new to Delaware, um, and music has obviously been a big part of your life. So I'd like you just to talk a little bit about your own background in the field. Okay, great. Thanks. Um, I'm actually uh, originally from South Jersey, about oh. 45 miles upriver. I uh, grew up really literally one block away from the Delaware River. Uh, but my family moved to Vermont, northern Vermont, when we were in high school. Uh, spent a couple of years in Vermont and then went off to the New England Conservatory of Music, where I received a bachelor's degree in music. Uh, spent another four years there working at the conservatory and spending summers working at the Tanglewood Music Center for the Boston Symphony mm. uh, before I took my first uh, full-time orchestra job, and that was with the Brevard Symphony in Melbourne, Florida, Brevard mm. County, uh, on the Space Coast. So we were <laughs> near the Kennedy Space Center and Cocoa beach and satellite beach and all those things and I was there for uh, five years mm-hmm. uh, where I started in production and then uh, was named uh, general manager after my first year uh, after five years an opportunity came up with the New Hampshire Symphony and uh, we relocated to New England and uh, spent seven years in New Hampshire again starting in production and operations and then moving to the general manager position Um, And then the Vermont Symphony Orchestra came calling, and I was hired directly into the executive director position there, and I was there for over 16 years um, before the position here in Delaware became open, and it seemed like the right time to uh, make another move, and so I guess it's been a real loop, and finally back almost (laughs) to uh, where it started. And uh, you have obviously a lot of experience with symphonies. And was there anything in particular about the the Delaware Symphony that sort of intrigued you or made you want to come take the helm? Mm. Well, if if you noticed, uh, three of the four orchestras that I've been affiliated with have state names. Uh And uh, certainly the Vermont Symphony Orchestra was truly a statewide orchestra. Uh, It only did about 20% of its concerts in what they called its home base of Burlington. Uh And the rest of the time, they were on the road. Uh, they did educational outreach programs that reached about half of the K through middle school students in wow. the entire state every year. And the Delaware Symphony, like uh, like the Vermont Symphony, has a history of being a statewide orchestra. Uh, we'll probably talk in a little bit about you know some of the challenges that the symphony has had in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it seems as though everyone involved with the orchestra is looking to um, have this orchestra become much more a Delaware symphony and not Mm -hmm. just a Wilmington, Newcastle uh, orchestra. So that appealed to me a lot, the idea of being statewide, of working in a number of communities, in bringing a number of different kinds of programs around the state. Um, and, and it's very appealing because Delaware is only about a quarter of the size of Vermont <laughs> and it has a much better infrastructure for moving an orchestra around in. So, um, I'm really thrilled about that. Uh, the orchestra has a great reputation. Um, it's, it's very old. Uh, the yeah. orchestra really is 110 years old this season. So it's been around for a long time. It has a, a, a great story to tell and one that mm-hmm. continues to be written every day. And uh, so I'm very excited about uh, joining this group. And I'm sure you found a very dedicated board and, and 
a core audience that mm-hmm. was really faithful to the symphony. Absolutely. Again, they they had uh, what a lot of organizations uh, post-recession had, and that was a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. And so there was a huge amount of turnover. This happened back in uh, 2012, mm-hmm. and there was a huge amount of turnover. The, the board, I, I think all but one person, uh, is new since like 2011, mm. 2012. So mm-hmm. they've had a real change there in volunteer leadership. Uh, this group is unbelievably enthusiastic and dedicated and generous and supportive uh, of the symphony. Uh, they realize that they've got a, a, a big job ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm also very impressed by how young this uh, board is mm. there's probably a third of them actually probably more than a third of them have children at home that are preteen age and uh, I compare that to my last organization where I think two of the board members were actually employed and the rest of them were retirees mm. so mm-hmm. uh, very different dynamic this is this is a board that is thinking about um, you know bringing their generation in as the next audience and it's really right. exciting Right. That's a that's a really good way to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you've touched on a few of, of the challenges. Um, and actually, I, I'm sure symphonies across the country are experiencing these same ones. Mm. Um, and some of your specific goals, if we want to get a little more specific, um, maybe related to audience diversification, which ah, sure. I know that was a, a topic that you shared with the News Journal recently. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, it's it's interesting. There's there's I, it's as much a perception issue, I think, mm-hmm. as anything else. I, I it's a shame that a lot of people hear about a symphony orchestra, and if they haven't had experiences with it, uh, they just it's well, it's not for me. It's mm-hmm. for somebody else, mm-hmm. and and I I don't believe that. I think. Uh, I think Beethoven can be relevant to anybody Mm -hmm. Uh, these days. It has been for the past 200 plus years, so I think it still can be. Um, It's just a matter of of breaking down those perceived barriers uh, to attendance. And and some of them we've created, and they're real, um, and others are are perceived. It's Mm -hmm. not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to be working in the Delaware Symphony to uh, change our pricing structure, so that there are various price points, people who want to have wonderful seats and are, are willing to pay top dollar, they, we welcome them to continue to do that. Um, but we're going to have entry-level pricing that's going to be much more broad-based. My, my position is always we shouldn't have a ticket. The low ticket shouldn't cost much more than attending a movie. Oh, great. So uh-huh. we're going to be working in that direction. Um, we're, we're spending some time looking at, at venues, uh, because right now the orchestra, after the 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 the, uh, the turn back, um, you know, the crisis of mm-hmm. a few years ago, mm-hmm. uh, the orchestra really just shrunk back to its core offerings of five uh, classical orchestral programs and four chamber programs. Um, and so what they did, they did away with, they did away with all their education programming. They did away with pops concerts. They did away with family concerts, holiday programs, all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, they just re- they just felt they had to pare down to the bone. And so I'm not saying that we're going to be able to jump right back in and get all those things happening quickly, but uh, we are going to be um, strategic in determining which of those programs make the most sense to bring back. Mm-hmm. They did already restart the education programs, and I'm glad for that, and I think we're going to see a lot of uh, – 
growth there mm-hmm. in the next few years, mm-hmm. um, both growth, growth here in, in the Newcastle area, but um, uh, geographically across mm-hmm. the state. I think that's something that we are able to take uh, far afield uh, much more easily than if we have to take an 85-piece orchestra right, <laughs> to right. do uh, pictures at an exhibition or something. <laughs> what are some of the venues that the entire orchestra can um, fit in in that's, Delaware? That's a real challenge. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I'm still learning. I have to say the number of times I've been, you know, south of the, the, the canal has been, you know, uh, one could be counted on one hand. Um, I did visit the Schwartz Center mm-hmm. uh, in Dover, which is a charming facility, um, but not a place where you can put 85 musicians. Right. Uh, it may, it would certainly work for some of our chamber programs. Mm-hmm. We are doing our Explorer concerts this March, uh, performance in Milford at the high school and then at the Schwartz Center, um, but that's going to be just 16 musicians, so okay. that works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But to bring the full orchestra. Uh, I understand in Dover that the high school has recently been named an arts magnet school yes. and that they have recently renovated the the facility there. I've yet to see it, um, but I'm excited to get down there and take a look at that. We also understand that uh, Cape Henlopen uh, mm-hmm. High School mm-hmm. has a marvelous facility right. uh, that's fairly large. And, uh, you know, a, a facility not only has to have a big stage, but it has to have ample audience seating um so that you know financially you can make it work right um we're also there have been places elsewhere in the state where the symphony has maybe done outdoor concerts Mm -hmm. and that's another thing that we are very actively pursuing uh it, it involves not just taking the orchestra around but usually a tent and a stage and sound and lights and electricity (laughs) and all that fun stuff um but that's just a that's a completely different experience than you get if you come to the grand or the tatmall school for for one of the traditional programs right and i guess in some ways it could be less intimidating for those audiences that have never attended before you know the thing about symphony orchestras is that they can't afford to just have one audience. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an audience that's their core classical audience. Uh, they have a pops audience. If they do holiday programs, you very likely will only see a lot of those audience members once a year. Mm-hmm. The same with, you know, if you do a 4th of July concert, it's part of their tradition that right. they do that and they think they've done their symphony thing for the year. Uh, so it's really important for us to work to build many audiences. The crossover factor, it's, if, if you get crossover, it's great. It's like gravy. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, you have to work. You have the family audiences. You have the, um, the, the, the school audiences, mm-hmm. the, the, the student audiences. And the, the idea is to offer several entry points for people uh, so they have an opportunity to experience the symphony. I think... Symphony marketing ends up uh, using a, a, a the long tail theory of of marketing, which is you know you just have to hope if you plant the seed you know at at a certain point within the next twenty or thirty years they'll come back <laughs> they'll enjoy it they'll get more uh, uh, roped into uh, the experience and then they'll become a core patron mm-hmm. for you. Mm-hmm. Well, I would like to take a moment um, and to remind our listeners that you're tuned into News Radio 1450 WILM and 1410 WDOV for Delaware State of the Arts. Today I'm talking with Alan Jordan. He's the executive director of the Delaware Symphony. 
and been talking a little bit about um, outreach and and reaching new audiences and and taking the symphony statewide through Delaware. And I'd also like to talk about your your programming um, coming up and for the season and where people can find out about it as well. Sure. Well, uh, certainly we have a website which is www.delawaresymphony all one word dot org. Uh, we also, our offices are in uh, Wilmington, downtown, right on uh, on 10th Street. Um, they can call the symphony at area code 302-656-7442. Uh, you can also reach us by email. Uh, information is available for contact uh, on the website. Uh, we do most of our tickets uh, through the Grand Opera House, mm-hmm. so they can also um, uh, purchase tickets that way. Um, but certainly look up our, our website, which is something that we are also going to be working on okay. in the not-too-distant future. <laughs> the website needs a revamping, that's for sure. So let's talk about um, the the programming mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what's coming up for people to to enjoy and find out more about. Sure, um, we th- during this season, which was prepared long before I arrived, um, they wanted to tie the season um, to this set of bells. They call them the bells of remembrance. Mm-hmm. And these were bells that not necessarily were all made at the same time, uh, but they were brought together and refurbished as necessary. Some of them were cast um, shortly after uh, 9-11. There is a local uh, brother, Franciscan brother, uh, David Schlatter, who was very close um, to a chaplain for the New York City Fire Department. And he was actually... He became the the first victim of the 9-11 tragedy. And and Brother David and the Franciscans in the area decided to uh, memorialize this this chaplain and others uh, by amassing these sets of, and they're church bells. I mean, they're enormous Mm. bells. Uh, (laughs) There are 13 of them. They're pitched. Uh And so David Amato and the leadership of the symphony thought, well, let's do programming that features bells. And of course, usually they'll just use a rack of chimes, um, which, which do an okay job, but the difference between a real church bell and, and a tubular bell is is very striking. Uh, no pun intended. I, it's striking uh, <laughs> when when you hear the two uh, compared. So um, each of the classic series concerts will feature at least one work that has a prominent bell part in it. And uh, we will have the appropriate bell up on stage, okay. or if it doesn't quite fit, backstage uh-huh. um, to be played. And we've had two classics concerts so far. And in each of them, uh, there's been a bell. There were two bells the first concert, and uh, most recently there was one bell. And, you know, as soon as that first note is struck, <laughs> I mean, you can just look in the audience and, you know, the the ears perk up some and people kind of raise in their seats a little <laughs> bit. It, it's, it's very impressive. We also have had bells outside in front of the performance venue okay. and the clapper's been, and rope has been attached. And so anybody on the street, I mean, it was funny, <laughs> the very first concert at the Grand, we had, I call it Big Bertha. It's a 5,000 pound bell. Oh it's my enormous. Gosh. They bring it in on a, a trailer <laughs> and you could hear this thing four blocks away and people were people walking down market street would just ring the bell and it was fantastic. (laughs) 
Well, that really adds a new unique dimension too to a to a symphony concert. It so does. that's a special experience. It does. And these bells are actually stored here, actually in Newcastle oh. at, at the airport. Okay. Um, and so they're available. I'm thinking, well, you know, that we don't have to stop this year. I think in the future when we have need for a really prominent bell, mm-hmm. uh, we need to be in touch with Brother David. <laughs> So um, you've got a classical series, and then you have another series, a chamber series. Right. There's a chamber series that takes place in the gold ballroom at the Hotel DuPont, which for somebody who hasn't been in Wilmington very much, I mean, this was a a great experience. It was like the second week my wife was here that we had our first chamber series concert. And it really, it feels like you're going back to uh royal time somewhere <laughs> in in europe uh the ballroom is spectacular the acoustics are phenomenal it's where we uh present uh repertoire for smaller ensembles okay. uh the, the opening concert featured the tchaikovsky serenade for strings with members of, of the string section of the dso and it's it's a very intimate uh, special environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we can only fit 250, 300 people in the space. Mm-hmm. So they're very close to the music. Mm-hmm. The music just, you know, washes over you. And it's it's a wonderful opportunity. I mean, there's, there's valet parking at the Hotel DuPont. People can come before, have dinner in the green room, go to the concert. Mm-hmm. It, it's a whole package and it's really a special thing. There are three more of those programs. Uh, the uh, last Tuesday in January, I think it's the 26th. Um, there are also programs in um, March and April. Okay. And your um, artistic director and, and conductor, um, David Amato, is also involved more um, with some of the educational things as well, sort of with lectures and different things. Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. He does a lot of different things. Uh, certainly before all of our classics concerts, the full orchestra concerts, uh-huh. uh, an hour beforehand, he will come out on stage and people, probably 100 to 200 people come early uh, for a musical discussion of the repertoire for the evening. But it also branches out beyond that. Uh, when we had Stuart Goodyear uh, performing the Rachmaninoff Second Piano Concerto, uh, there was a lot of discussion with Stuart about you know how he prepares for the uh, performance, mm-hmm. um, you know mm-hmm. specifics about the Rachmaninoff. Uh, actually, also talked a little bit about the other piece on the program, uh, Mazorsky's Pictures at an Exhibition, which was originally written for piano, and so he was taking getting the pianist. Uh, uh, take on the orchestration of wow. that of that repertoire. Uh, we also have started to incorporate a little uh, Q and A into that, uh, mm. so it gives audience members an opportunity to ask questions that are burning. Uh, David is also conducting our Explorer concerts. These mm. are the uh, programs that uh, last year we did uh, two of them at the Grand uh, for sold out houses. Um, feature uh, it's a program that features Peter and the Wolf. Okay. Um, and David will be conducting those in Milford and Schwartz uh, in March. And are those um, specifically for families, or are they for students? Um, the, those are student the students? Uh, okay. daytime matinee programs, okay. and so uh, our education coordinator uh, Margie Ripson is in touch with schools, and uh, she's we've completely sold out the Schwartz Center concert already. Oh, great. Uh, Milford, uh, there still is space available, and we okay. would love to see some more schools sign up for that. That's uh, March sixteenth of two thousand sixteen. Great. 
I know that you also offer master classes um, in conjunction with the Wilmington Music School or Delaware Music School. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, Stuart Goodyear, pianist, uh, did a master class recently. And then our final soloist of the year, uh, Bella Hristova, violinist, uh, will be doing a master class at the music school. And we're, we're working with others to try and add uh, master classes and other residency opportunities. Um, we've had conversations with the University of Delaware. We've done mm. some work with them in the past. Mm-hmm. We'd like to see that expand. Uh, every year, the symphony presents an award to a living American composer or conductor. Uh, we're about ready to announce the winner for this season. Oh, okay. Um, but I, I know that there's a composition class uh, that happens at University of Devel- Delaware, and we're trying to coordinate something where the composer would come in and meet with those students, too. Great. So are you finding Delaware organizations are, are willing um, collaborators with you? Uh, absolutely. Great. Absolutely. Um, in fact, I think that's the only way the symphony can really rebuild its statewide reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a very small staff based in Wilmington. Some of us are somewhat unfamiliar with the area. <laughs> and and so we should be working with these other organizations, uh, community organizations around the state. Uh, they have audiences. Uh, they have followings. They, they do their own presentations in many cases. And why not have the Delaware Symphony as part of their presentations? Right, right. Well, that's an excellent way to look at it. And partnerships on both sides can can um, benefit from Absolutely. those kinds of activities. Um, so it sounds like you have some work cut out for you, but some <laughs> exciting work. It um, is. It's very exciting. I mean, this is you know, it's a honeymoon period. And so I'm just kind of absorbing as much as we can. The board uh, had set aside a strategic planning effort uh, mm-hmm. until the new director came in. And so now we're going full bore with that. We actually hope right. to have our strategic plan in place to unveil in February. Excellent. Well, um, I'd like to... Um Thank you for being here, Alan. We're at the end of our time, and um, I wish you the best of luck. And I've been speaking with Alan Jordan, who's the executive director of the Delaware Symphony. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.